G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I always appreciate uh, the sort of conversation we're about to head into and as we uh, move towards the end of another year, I love to check in with one of those ministry organisations that is practical, that is so hands-on and knows what it's like to roll up their sleeves and get into the hard work. I'm talking, of course, about mobile mission maintenance. Uh, They've been active all over Australia again this year, doing what they do best, looking after the infrastructure of the local church. Now, these guys deserve much more than just a pat on the back. They're like the backbone of a lot of projects that benefit from their servant-hearted pursuit. Well, Terence Baxter is the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance. It's a mission that keeps on giving. In fact, they're known as the ministry that serves those who serve. Terence Baxter, welcome back to 2020. Great to be here, Neil. Thanks for the thanks for having me here. It's uh, it's awesome. Well, look, I always love to get an update, and I guess we should have a little reflection on perhaps what's gone on this year with mobile mission maintenance. Uh, You know, the organisation working all over Australia, every state and territory, doing amazing things. Uh, What sort of a report can you give us, Terence? Well, where do you start, Neil? Look, (laughs) the way I feel today, (laughs) I've had the busiest of years, and that reflects the organisation. We've had a, a stellar year in terms of delivery, and that's what's important to us. That's the most important thing. Um, this year we did uh, we completed we only can't complete it in the sense of we finished it and walked off site and everybody's happy 67 projects nationally Uh, that's more than one a week and when I tell my volunteers this they all nod at me like you're nodding now and they go oh that's why I feel so tired (laughs) before I let you move on then if we're talking about 67 projects around the nation uh, what sort of projects are we talking about? Some people will thinking uh, will be thinking, oh, that's uh, you know they help to do some painting or something like that. But uh, and some of those will have been just uh, sort of small jobs. Some of these are big jobs too, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Look, they range from the small painting and the small assist. Can and look, we did, we've got one on the books at the moment, and it's an unusual one, but it's so simple. We have a church in Melbourne that requested, could you come and help us change the light bulbs? Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. And that was my response. Yep. Yep. Anybody? But we went and had a look at it, and it is super high ceilings in an old place, and to get a contractor in was going to cost them thousands. Mm. So we're working out at the moment how we can do that uh, around their services and around what they do. So very simple ones like that to the more complex, and I guess the going back through the annals in my head, the longest or, or the biggest project we did this year was in Tasmania. Uh, a church down there needed some new um, toilet facilities, so we built from the ground up outside new ones ex- without having to extend the building. That was about uh, 5,000 hours on that project alone. Right. And, you know, we can – it depends on what sort of church you attend, and a lot of people are attracted to churches that have a good contemporary building presence, uh, and you've got a spectrum right across – 
that goes back to uh, churches that are uh, built in country towns uh, well over a hundred years ago and maintenance on those sometimes takes some specialized attention then you've got those who are in the you know the smaller uh, wooden church uh, that uh, you know that needs the sort of maintenance and not everybody in church life has the capacities and the skills to be able to fulfill uh, even uh, some of the you know the the, the more uh, necessary maintenance roles this is where you guys step into the breach and uh, bring your expertise it is and look we we come across a lot of churches around the nation where they're small they're in small country towns they have aging populations and they just can't get to that corner or down here or they don't have the manpower to take on quite a large project for them and we can send a team in of four eight ten people and get a job done in two weeks that they'd be struggling to do for six months you have uh, bases, uh, contacts, uh, people all around Australia. Give us a little geographical idea of, uh, you know, when you're touring around the place, uh, what sort of places are you dropping in on? Because, you know, the chief's in town. Uh, everybody's uh, on their best behaviour. What are, Whereabouts are these bases uh, for mobile mission maintenance? All right, I'm going to do the weather map because if you've ever noticed in Australia, they always start the weather in Queensland. So right. in Queensland, we've got John and Ann Cooper, our region managers up there. And uh, they're based in our Mango Hill site in the northern beaches, I think you'd call it, of Brisbane. Um, in New South Wales, we're a little bit out of Sydney at a place called YE with Greg and Robin Jackson. They're our region managers there, and they look after all of New South Wales. I should say, John and Ann Cooper in Queensland, they don't just look after Queensland. If that's not big enough, they've got Northern Territory under their belt as well okay. at the moment. Yep. Uh, we've got to look at that, but uh, uh, that's... The te- their territory. So New South Wales uh, is New South Wales. Victoria looks after South Australia as well. Got a fantastic manager there, and he happens to have the office next to mine in Melbourne. Uh, that's Jeff Jarvis. In Tasmania, we're in a little place called Perth. Now, that confuses everybody. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have uh, Shane and Ruth Golst down there who uh, run the Tasmanian operations for us. And way over in the west, we can't forget about Trevor and Karen Beard in uh, Southern River in the southern suburbs of Perth. So they're our bases, and we go out from there. Uh, but the bases are just the bases. The work happens, 99% of the work happens out the front gate. Did you mention South Australia? I did. You did? Okay. I must have missed that. So that's Victoria was... and South Australia. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. That's uh, that's taken care of. So you've got your uh, people who are your state leaders in those particular bases. And when a request comes in from a local church, and, uh, and you know, this is not just, uh, this is not some local churches are better than others. This is everybody has an opportunity to call in. Is that the case? I mean, Abs- all right, and uh, and to access uh, some little help. I'm sure that sometimes people need advice, uh, but oftentimes, no doubt, when they're making contact with you, they actually need some practical, uh, hands-on uh, help when it comes to the, what they do. So, so if you're taking uh, those state presences, uh, they're looking after their territories, and it's broken down by state. Supposing you've got someone in Perth and someone calls in from way up in, say, Derby in uh, the west, the northwest WA. I it imagine happens. it happens. It All happens. right. So this sort of thing, uh, this is where you can still respond. And I, I know that you're probably setting a timeline for how you can actually make that happen. But but you're, you're actually mobilizing people into sometimes very remote communities. Absolutely. Look, this year we had a team uh, that headed out from uh, New South Wales and Queensland joined up. They headed out into the Northern Territory and made it as far down as Derby. 
to do some work, Fitzroy Crossing actually, to do some work down there, um, and then turned around and came home. Now, there were six projects or seven projects along the way, um, but it's a long drive. It's a long drive home at night, so they take their vans with them and, and they, they live on site and they're self-contained, and they'll do the project for a uh, committed time. We, we sort of plan them pretty well. There's a lot of planning and execution that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. And we know when we get there, we're going to be there for two weeks. And so they're committed for two weeks and their schedule gets them to the next place. But but that's how we do it. So this year uh, coming up, we're, we're planning a safari team. That's what we call our remote out, out, outback things that runs from uh, the western districts of Victoria through South Australia and out over into Western Australia. And they've called it this year the Wildflower Safari because it just worked out with the timing they're going to be there when the West Australian wildflowers are there. So a great opportunity for that team. So for those churches in remote areas, it's a matter of checking in with the home base in the state and finding out when there is a safari tour organised. So if you've got some work that needs to be done, uh, you've got a team that's already uh, ready, willing and able, and, uh, and they'll make a schedule to arrive in your town and, uh, and help with your maintenance issues. Neil, when you say we've got a team already, I can always <laughs> do with more people on the road. Uh, uh, yes, we do. Uh, I'm very mindful of wearing people out. Uh, a lot of our volunteers are retirees or semi-retirees, uh, and they're, they're, it's not unusual for them to be on the road for you know four, six, eight weeks, ten weeks sometimes, but they need a break. So we need more volunteers. But yes, the, the concept of c- contacting their local base, uh, if they're not sure they can go to our website, they can contact the base through the website. Just look up each one. You can email them or put in a project request through the request assistance tag on our on our website. That triggers the, the whole process from there. It, it gets uh, qualified. It does it qualify against our criteria and then sent off to the region. They work out can they do it, if they can, when they can do it, and then they'll schedule it from there. People is the key word here, isn't it? As you say, uh, the majority of people who are involved in all of these maintenance uh, safari teams are doing this voluntarily. And so some will say, well, uh, who does that voluntarily all year? I guess there's not too many. (laughs) As a hand goes up in the studio here. But as you talk about the, the way that the teams work, undoubtedly you've got a huge list of people who are available and no doubt on call uh, some of them uh, but they're but they're designating sometimes i guess sometimes it's their holidays sometimes they're going on a tour and traveling and they say okay i wonder if there's any work needs to be done we'll check in with mobile mission maintenance but people are the issue here and what sort of commitment are typical people giving here terence Oh, look, it varies. Um, there's a gentleman in Western Australia who is our longest-serving full-time volunteer uh, anywhere in MMM, and that he's up, oh, he, I'm going to be, oh, he'll tell me off now, I think it's around 30 years. Constant, wow, wow. Absolutely full-time committed, and that's been on three different continents. So uh, That's from, his mission in that's life. His, he did, and, wow. and uh, look, he we actually captured him on video. He wasn't real happy about it, but talking about it. But it, he was just asking one day, what can I do for the Lord? You know, I'm a practical person, and somebody mentioned MMM, and he thought perhaps that, perhaps that's how I can serve. 30 years later, he's still serving. So it ranges from that full-time commitment to people that have a weekend or, or a week or two weeks or a month, or they're taking long service leave and they're going to be in Queensland and Northern Territory, and they let us know. We say, well, we've got projects here, here, and here. We need your commitment. That's the thing we need is because we can't plan a project without the commitment of people saying, yes, I will be there and I will work the way you want me to work. 
You know, thoughts come to my mind of the early church and coming back to those early chapters in the book of Acts and the church was beginning to grow and the apostles were being called on to do everything and someone came up with the bright idea. I think it was inspiration from the Holy Spirit that you need to set apart some who are going to be looking after the practical aspects. And I think the words in the scriptures that we can read, uh, waiting on tables, mm. uh, and it's this idea of caring for widows, uh, caring for those who are in need. But it seems to me that we talk about looking after the infrastructure of what has happened and what has grown up, and it's sort of the heritage of our nation where these churches are in country towns, This is a part of that, isn't it? Uh, There are those who are called especially to a work such as this, uh, where they will not be the ones who are up front and uh, preaching on the Sunday, uh, not not even necessarily going out and doing the work of mission as we typically know it, but these are the people that help make that happen. These are the practical people rolling their sleeves up. They are. And look, if you talk to anyone in ministry, they'll tell you they can't stand up and preach on a Sunday unless... 30 other people have done what they needed to do through the week. Um, and, and they recognize the gifts that those people have are inherent in their life from God. And when somebody finds and says, well, what can I do? You know, a rod heap from Western Australia, what can I do? You know, I, I'm, I've just got two hands and I'm good with my tools and stuff. And, and all of a sudden discovers that he can do that for God and it, and it impacts a ministry somewhere else. I go back to some very wise words from my pastor who once told me that the purpose of the church is not to own buildings. It's to reach the lost. And you think, well, what do we own buildings for? Well, we own buildings because we need that. That's, that's, a, that's a consequence of what the church does. But the church's purpose is to reach the lost. And if we can help them focus on that and not have to worry about their buildings, not have to worry about their facilities, then we've done what God has called us to do. And that's the most rewarding thing in service when you do simply what God has called you to do. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Great to have you along with us today talking about practical Christian ministry and our special guest is Terence Baxter. He's the CEO of Mobile Mission Maintenance and if you're getting inspired by some of the things we're talking about, mmm.org.au is the website. We're taking calls to 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Heather in Longford in Tasmania. Hello, Heather. Welcome along. Thank you. I just want to uh, make a note that my husband and two of our four sons have worked um, voluntarily with MMM in Queensland. My husband went to Solomon Islands at one stage and another time with Humpty Doo in, um, north, up the north. And uh, our two sons worked around Brisbane with MMM with uh, Norm Fuchs, who was in Queensland many years ago, and how much they enjoyed their experience with them. Heather, wonderful to hear from you. What are your thoughts for Heather? Terence? Heather, look, great to hear from you. Look, I was in Tasmania last week and not far from Longford, uh, so great that you could call in. I've got a question for you. When your husband came home, did he talk about it a lot? Oh, yes, the experience of all that happened. And he took my brother, who wasn't walking with the Lord at the time, and to Solomon's, and uh, and just even the experience of having the time with with the Bible reading, the the time that they spent with around the Bible each day, 
made an impression as well on my brother. Well, Heather, that's a very important point that you that you raise because it is a key thing in our ministry. Every morning at morning tea, we do a devotional, and a lot of the time that devotional comes from Vision Media, and uh, we share that in common. Uh, it's something that we do that that is mandatory for all of our project teams to share and to pray uh, around the morning tea, and then go back and put our hands to the work and do it. And I'm so glad that you called in and shared your heart, uh, particularly the Solomon Islands. I've got a passion for the South Pacific. I'm heading off to Vanuatu next year to do a project over there. Heather from Longford in Tasmania, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. Uh, you're sitting around at morning tea time. You say uh, Vision Media is a part of that. I'm expecting that you're going to say it's the word for today that uh, a lot of your teams are using uh, to sit around morning tea and uh, open up the word for today, read something from the scriptures and and uh, read the daily devotional. That's exactly it. And uh, it's so useful and so practical to us to have that uh, put in our hands uh, and particularly for our team leaders, because uh, they're they're very focused on doing work on the project, and to have a devotional all there ready, just a daily reading and something to pray about, is just so helpful and so fantastic. So, what does the typical workday look like? I mean, I, do you clock everybody on and clock them off? I, I'm assuming it doesn't work that way with uh, with a volunteer set, but I know that there are a lot of people who uh, would be, you know champing at the bit to get underway at the earliest opportunity and if you're in the big city you can't start till like 7am but if you're out in the bush no doubt there's uh, there's less of a regulation like that. What does a typical workday look like? Well I hate to say that you're wrong Neil but you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> we do run it like you a normal do. work thing right. uh, we have a start and a stop time, a morning tea time and a lunch time um, that regularity is important for us in our planning to get uh, to know how many hours we're going to expend on a project because the hours mount up, they're, they're enormous. So we do have that set sort of routine. Um, that makes it easier for other people in their planning as well. And look, a lot of the people that are helping us have come out of trades background and handyman backgrounds and out of a working life background where that routine, they're used to it. So it's not unusual. Uh, and we do, we do kind of just run that as a routine that we start. They're lucky I don't plan it because I'd be having them start at 5 a.m. and finishing it at 4, 4 a.m. So an hour off for lunch, of course. <laughs> Okay, uh, let me talk about the teams uh, again for a moment because clearly uh, every team is going to be made up of people with different gifts they're bringing to the table. Uh, so if I've got a plumbing issue that needs some major care in my church and there's no plumbers uh, close by and uh, and you think, oh, mobile mission maintenance, but if you haven't got a plumber on board, obviously you can't deal with the plumbing job. So how do you sort of mix and match the jobs with the personnel and the skills that you've got? I could say that I have no idea how that happens, but I, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> okay, no, we, we have to say that's a sort of a divine, uh, divinely set up. No, it's not quite like that. Look, our regions, uh, our regions run their teams, and they have uh, a, a huge list of volunteers. Nationally, we've got about 300 volunteers on our list, and uh, they, the, the, the local teams are responsible for finding the trades. Um, in some instances, they'll find people that aren't necessarily directly linked in with MMM and they'll cajole them to come and help out on this project and can you do this and can you do that, would you do this, could you do it at a reduced rate, could you do it for free and we'll do all those negotiations to get the right people on site if we don't actually have that trade. Okay, 
let's talk about uh, doing it for free and uh, provision of uh, building supplies, those sorts of things. I mean, do you find that sometimes you're going to remote locations, uh, you've got to go with a trailer or a truck or whatever that's got all the supplies on board? How does the church fit into that? And how does the church, you know, uh, how does how does the money work, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, paying for basics uh, that you will need to actually get the work done? Okay. So the, the, the part, we, we do it as a partnership with the local church. It's not MMM coming in and doing everything. So we work in partnership, and our, our part of the partnership is we provide the labour. Uh, the, the materials are, are supplied by the church and their local area. Now, we can help them get those. We can organise it. And sometimes when we're going into very remote communities, we that's when the real planning needs to happen months in advance because uh, in some cases the materials are quite large and quite heavy. They've got to be trucked in, and we need it there by a certain time. And so getting it there takes a fair amount of coordination. The locals are pretty good at this. And when, you, when you're doing something at, uh, at uh, Nullumboy, for instance, uh, I think Catherine would be the nearest main town to that. And that's about a 12 or 14-hour drive, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a long way, and it's a long way to get in there. Uh, I've probably just upset everybody because it could be a two-day drive. I don't know. But, but that planning and execution needs to happen months in advance to make sure that, that, that the materials are there, that if we're painting it, that we're getting the right colours because churches don't like walking in and finding a bright red interior. They like it a nice pallid colour. Um, so making that, and that's a conversation that happens between our, our team leaders, uh, our region managers and the local church uh, or the local organisation, uh, I should say, not just churches. So that is an iterative process and then we'll peg down the date and then arrive and hopefully Hopefully, when you're 600 miles from the nearest town, that all the materials are there. <laughs> Let's take another call. Anderson is on the line from Western Australia. Hello, Anderson. Welcome along. Hey, Neil, and hello to your guests, and thanks for the interesting program. I'm getting most of it, but missing bits, so I hope the issue I'm going to raise hasn't been covered in a bit that I missed. Um, I'm a builder, um, carpentry trade background, I think the uh, work of MMM is a great thing. Um, my old friends had a home built by uh, MMM, which was wonderful because this couple gave their lives to uh, the service of the gospel in Nepal, and it was great for their their uh, love and giving to be uh, returned through MMM. So I'm I'm grateful for that, and I can only imagine how much more they were. I'm wondering though, if sometimes perhaps some people might see MMM. Uh, M&M, sorry, M-M-M, um, as a bit of a fairy godmother or Santa Claus, um, and perhaps they somewhat try to rely on you for stuff which they really ought to um, get up on their own two feet and take care of themselves. Just, just curious how that this is uh, this is a good question because uh, we want uh, obviously uh, churches to be resilient uh, be able to be uh, self-sufficient and uh, clearly some of them are not and uh, Anderson's question is along the lines of the people are exploiting you uh, I, I do know there's a little bit of a graying beard there <laughs> Terence <laughs> Santa Claus uh, what are your thoughts for Anderson Anderson thanks for the call um, look you're right uh, we, we go through a process of evaluating um, each project on its merit um, and the hardest thing for me and for our project review team is to sit down and say look I don't think we should do this project and there's sometimes a lot of prayer and thought goes into it we'd love to be able to say yes to every project 
but you're right. Sometimes people will exploit it because we can save this and and even though we've got the people to do it, we'll just get MMM to do it. And saying no to those is, is sometimes difficult because they think that MMM is just there as a resource to turn on and off like a tap. But we, in our own hearts, we sit and look at this and say, if we go and do that, who's going to miss out? And that's the question. That's the balance we have to put. So, Anderson, it's a it's a difficult one, uh, one that we don't have to do too often because generally, you know, most Christian organisations and churches have got a real great spirit and a great heart about it. And when we go back and say, look, unfortunately, we can't do this, most understand. Most say, oh, well, can you help us? Well, we could send you some tradies that, that are local that we know that you might be able to employ or recruit or have you thought about Apex or other other local community organisations that may be able to help you? Okay. Anderson, does that answer your question? No, it does. And thanks very much. I, I just, uh, I guess I was concerned lest anybody hearing the conversation might get the wrong idea. And I, I just, I didn't want to see uh, these great resources being diverted from uh, more important things than people could actually do it themselves. All right. Well, Anderson, thank you so much for your call and actually raises a important point. And uh, yes, I don't think anyone wants to see an organisation exploited. Uh, but at the same time today, uh, I think we're not sort of turning away anyone who wants to make an inquiry, are we? Because, uh, you know, people who are interested in what the work of MMM is all about, no doubt today, Terence, you'd like to hear from people who are on all sides here. You want to hear from churches, even in remote locations. You mentioned Nolan Boy up in the Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. I mean, you were talking about some locations that for many would be the most remote locations in Australia. So you want to hear from people who've got projects that they're working on. You want to hear from volunteers and you become like the middleman that matches up uh, the skills, the trade skills, the handyman skills that are going to be able to get the infrastructure of the church functioning effectively. We're back with more in just a short while. Take some more calls after the news. Terence Baxter is our guest. Mobile Mission Maintenance. MMM.org.au Back with more shortly Terence, let me ask you uh, Just in case there are some listeners Who might be thinking that uh, You know, it's just a, a bunch of volunteers And you know, they put on a tool belt And uh, go out and help uh, some people Who are little old ladies or Perhaps who are running a church And, and, and uh, you know, maybe not able to do the maintenance themselves Let's take this a little bit deeper here Because I know that so many listeners Won't appreciate that you actually have a factory in Melbourne that turns out prefab buildings and you you send these all over the world. Give us a little insight into how all that works. Yeah, look, it's true. We do have facilities in Melbourne to create a building out of rolled steel. Um, it's a pretty unique thing. Uh, we've had it for a number of years and we've sent buildings uh, to Africa, around the South Pacific uh, uh, all around Australia, and it, it it allows us to engineer and structure a building to the highest standards, no matter where it's going to be. And so uh, what it is, is it, we can, we have uh, uh, design engineers, uh, structural engineers that work with us that volunteer their time. Uh, they'll design a building based on the geography, geology, and the atmospheric conditions of where the, where the building is going. So um, we're working on a project at the moment for Vanuatu, uh that project, uh, because it's Vanuatu, the geology is it's kind of a sandy thing, so they'll work out the foundations and everything else before we go. Uh, but the building's designed to be cyclone-proof. 
um, because guess what's building up in the in, in Vanuatu? In Vanuatu at the moment, cyclone proof. Yeah, and so it, it's not the first project. This will be the third project on Nefate that we've done uh, in recent years. Uh, we did a dental clinic in Port Vila a few years ago. Uh, we worked at a Presbyterian college in uh, on the north of Afate Island uh, about three years ago after Cyclone Pam, and uh, that became important to design cyclone-proof buildings. This one's a medical clinic, uh, which is uh, we're partnering with an organisation that's based out of Brisbane, uh, One Salt Water, and they have a mission to uh, provide uh, medical facilities to uh, the South Pacific. So we're partnering with them, uh, designing the building. It'll be manufactured in the factory in Mitcham, crated up, sent to Brisbane, put in a shipping container, sent over there, and a team of us will meet it uh, sometime around mid-March, I think, and uh, we'll get over there and put the building together in a couple of weeks. So uh, most of the buildings that come out of your factory in Mitcham in Victoria, are they mainly ones that are being used in mission contexts, uh, say, as you're talking about Vanuatu and you sent these off to Africa? Uh, are they useful in Australia as well? Yes, yes. We, uh, we've we done different things. Uh, it, it becomes immensely practical to send this sort of stuff overseas because it's very lightweight. It packs down well into shipping containers. Uh, but we can send it anywhere around. Uh, we're, we're actually working with Habitat for Humanity in New South Wales at the moment to design uh, relocatable micro houses, two-bedroom houses that they've, they've got this plan for. And so we're working with them on that. And we can manufacture them in, in Melbourne. And if they want them in Taree in New South Wales, well, we'll just crate them up, send them up there, and it gets assembled onto their remote skids that the building sits on. And is that useful for churches perhaps in more remote locations uh, who are looking for solutions for, you know, even homelessness issues or uh, what, sort of, uh, what sort of context do these buildings uh, suit? Uh, look, we have to evaluate, uh, evaluate it on a case-by-case uh, basis because they don't suit everywhere. Um, they're not fire-rated. Uh, this is a crazy thing with it, but the steel is so lightweight that it's not fire rated. So if it's a high fire danger area, we can build it there, but it's not fire rated. Um, it's certainly termite rated, so it goes great where there's termites. Um, but there's a lot of uh, planning and iteration as to whether it's suitable for the region, suitable for purpose, and whether the organisation fits with the criteria. So. Uh, let's come back to some of the really important foundations for mobile mission maintenance, and it's the people who are involved and uh, I, I guess if we've, we've been talking about, you know, people who've got trades, qualifications, uh, uh, handy person uh, type people, but you even mentioned you've got engineers who are working with you. So this is, you know, this is people who are sitting in front of computers and crunching numbers and doing the maths and doing the research. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, aspects of, of this. And, and so I guess if you were talking about some of the different uh, skills that people have, uh, take us a little bit deeper into some of those areas, Terence. <laughs> oh, let me give you one out of the left field. I've got a guy who works in our projects review thing who spent his life working for Boeing, designing aircraft and uh, working within a mi- uh, half a millimetre of tolerance over, you know, thousands of mi- And he is so detailed that he's just excellent at working in projects. When we talk about volunteers, it's easy to, it's easy to think, well, it, I, I can't paint or climb ladders or whatever. We need volunteers in every part of our organisation. And that ranges from our administrative side of things, uh, people planning, people helping out in offices, 
Uh, one of our key needs is fundraisers. Uh, I'm not alone in that. I know every missions organisation that I speak to, that whenever I talk with the CEOs, I say, what's your biggest problem? We don't have enough funds. Uh, so fundraisers, but people, we have a prayer network. Uh, my national prayer coordinator came on board this year as a, just replacing the one that had done it for 11 years. Um, but she's based in Western Australia and she coordinates our prayer networks around Australia from Western Australia. It can happen from anywhere in today's technology. She's hooked into our networks and our servers and everything else and, and everything gets produced. We need volunteers in every aspect of our ministry, every aspect of our ministry. And for everyone listening to our conversation today, uh, you recognise that it would be impractical to have an organisation like yours uh, with employed people in all of these areas. So volunteers is a key word here. But a lot of people are looking to do something with their life. Uh, they're comfortable sitting on the pew, warming the pew, we might call it, uh, you know, on a Sunday. And they're saying, well, I've got all these gifts. It doesn't seem to fit everything that's going on in my local church. To hear about something like this is like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people are going on these, uh, you know, people talk about these short-term mission trips as a little bit like mission tourism. Uh, the idea of, you know, you're going and taking some of your holidays, you're going on a mission trip. This is the sort of thing where you've got people with practical trade skills, handyman skills, and as you're talking about all of these different other areas of, you know, logistical capacities, uh, you can actually release people in their gifting and there'll be projects because I, I, I doubt whether you've got too many workers and uh, too few projects. I'm sure that probably it, it, it outweighs that, that, that side. Three to us, one. Three so, to one. So you're looking for people who are ready to put up their hand and volunteer, and it might be for two weeks, it might be a month. Uh, what's the typical time that people are doing that volunteering, Terence? Uh, these are the people you're looking for. Um, projects are typically – our average project is about two weeks. Um, some are three. Um, we like people to commit to the whole project, but we understand sometimes they can't, but we need to know well in advance, I can be there from this time to this time, and we'll plan the work around that. Uh, ideally, we like to send a project team as a complete team. Some of them will do two, three, or four projects in a row um, because they're either retired with a caravan or semi-retired, uh, they're on long service leave, uh, or they're committed to raising their own funds to go and do it full-time. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let me come to an element that we were intending to talk some more about and we haven't got a chance to get around to it yet. Uh, The conversation's gone in different ways. But this issue, Terence, of generosity. And now, when I look at mobile mission maintenance, I'm thinking of the volunteers and the generosity of heart that comes in that says we're ready to roll up our sleeves and get involved in your project. Generosity is one of those things that goes uh, backward and forward. It goes uh, goes both ways, doesn't it? How do you reflect on the generosity that you see of the volunteers who are participating, uh, even the churches that are being generous to your volunteers as they arrive in their town? There's generosity at work everywhere here. There is, and, you know, the question I... I we discussed a while ago was what does generosity look like in a volunteer organisation? And, you know, I in my role I have to look at this, I get to speak on it a few times in churches around the place, and and I the question I pose people is if you if that is your gift and you're using your gift, are you being generous or are you being obedient? There, there's a difference there, you know. And so generosity for me is 
when I look at it, is an attribute of God. Uh, God was generous to the to a T. There, there's no more perfect generosity than there is in, in in our Father. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Generosity is not about money; it's about an attitude of our heart. And so, when I see people that go above and beyond that say, "Look, I wanted to do this, but I, I can do this too," then I say, "Well, they've gone beyond their gift, and they're now being generous." And generosity is something that in a volunteer organization we see all the time. And I'm, I'm sure that Vision Radio sees it too, not just in what's given you know, in, into your funds to help the thing run, but the volunteers that work in distribution centers, that work in your office, the people that come and clean, the people that do all the bits and pieces. Can I tell one story? Sure. I, I had to attend a funeral this year uh, for one of our longtime volunteers. This is a, a wonderful man. His name is Gordon. And he had been with us for a long, long time. And he'd been to uh, Solomon Islands nine times for us and projects all around Australia. And I went and I just sat at this funeral and it was a magnificent funeral. He just, they talked about his life and, and I thought, here is a man who was so generous in what he gave. Generosity rubs off on others because about a week later, I got contacted by his granddaughter who said, Listen, my grandfather passed away, and I was so inspired when I heard about what he did with MMM. I want to volunteer. How can I help? And I'm thinking, okay, granddaughter, father, grandfather, she's going to be about 30 years old. What do I do with this volunteer? And that's a question I have to do all the time. You know, we had a need right then and there at that point for someone to look after our social media. I know I know, it sounds simple, and it seems, but I'm not good at it. And there's a lot of people that aren't good at it. But so when she came in, I said, listen, this is our need. She said, well, that's strange because that's my forte. So God connects people when they are generous in their heart and they see generosity. And, and generosity is a, is a learnt thing. We learn it from our parents. We learn it from the people that are around us. And I'd love to see the church practicing generosity on every occasion because that's what impacts people's lives. And when you're arriving with a team in a country town and just take that uh, scenario and you've got the team turns up and uh, there might be, I don't know how many on the team, maybe uh, ten. four, ten people. Ten, five ten, five okay. okay, so you've got ten people arriving and they're a part of a church and they're doing a project. Uh, this word contagious, as you say, it's sort of catching Undoubtedly, this generosity and this practical uh, capacity is rubbing off on the church when you're visiting. For sure. Look, one of the things, you know, we, we get this all the time. We don't have people that can do this. Can you come and help us? We go, we get there, and they look and they think, well, that person's about my age. I reckon I could do this. And next thing you know, our, our team has grown from, from 8 or 10 to 12 or 14. Um, but there's different aspects of a project, you know. Uh, <laughs> Was it General George Patton who said that a stump, uh, an army marches on its stomach? Uh, they've got to be fed. Yeah. Um, the generosity right. of a church, um, the, the fellowship that happens in, in our teams when they sit down for a meal with the church people and they sit down for their devotions with the church people, with the local community. We did a project, uh, it, was a, it was a few years ago now, it was out on an island up in uh, off Darwin and that we had a team of about eight or ten people that had gone to work on this church, and people were walking past from the local island all the time. Next thing you know, they climbed the fence, and they started helping. This is community people that mm. didn't go to the church. Mm. And they said, well, if you care about it, then we should care. And that church grew from about ten people meeting on a Sunday to about 35 inside of two weeks. 
because generosity is contagious. It is contagious. It is very powerful. Let's take another call. Liesl is on the line from Adelaide. Hello, Liesl. Welcome along. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts? Um, I actually was volunteering for four years over in China, and we actually had a team, I think it was the Hong Kong team, with the uh, Mobile Mission Group come in, and they helped out building over there. That's amazing. And uh, yeah. so how long ago was this? I wonder if Terence is familiar with this. Um, two, so I was there between 2006 and 2010, and I can't remember the exact year, but it was in that timeline. But, yeah, they came just to help build up some of our... Um, um, buildings that we had to do for the um, children there. Fantastic. That's, that's a great yeah. story to hear because uh, the Hong Kong team in, around 2010 was was actually being coordinated, run by our now National Director in New Zealand, Howard Robinson, uh, and he was working in Hong Kong and helping out the Hong Kong team and was coordinating a lot of work into China, in, into the mainland China and also around uh, the Hong Kong Islands. Uh, Lisa, what sort of project was it that the team was working on? They were building, like, um, we were doing new housing. So they were helped um, work out how to, uh, I guess, do the cementing and that sort of like side of it, the infrastructure of the um, buildings, yeah. Wonderful. And, Liesl, thank you so much for calling in and just sharing that little story. It just, uh, doesn't it, just demonstrates uh, how widespread mobile mission maintenance is and uh, the capacity of workers not only within our Australian context but offshore, overseas, Hong Kong, into China. And we've been talking about the South Pacific Islands. Uh, we're talking about uh, sending these prefab buildings all over the world, places like Africa. Uh, it's bigger than most people realise. Do, do people, when they're on the phone, they say, oh, parents, uh, I'm ready to volunteer with mobile mission maintenance. You've got a little operation going there, haven't you? But actually, it's a whole lot bigger than most people appreciate. It is. And it, look, even when I walked in the door as CEO, I had to sit back and take a deep breath and think, I'm responsible for all of this. You know, it's a, it is a big organisation. It's not cumbersome. We, we run on the sm- uh, smell of an oily rag. But I have a branch office of Australia in Thailand uh, and two staff up there who do work in northern Thailand. And they are impacting the communities up there. We work with a lot of the missions organisations that work with um, refugees, with uh, abandoned children, with aged patients. with uh, and, and so when you think and imagine, where could I go? Where do you want to go? Because we're not too far away from there and, and there'll be an organisation that we'll be working with that's in that area. Let's get a little creative in our thinking for a few moments here. The thought that's going through my mind is that uh, this idea of uh, more wealthy, uh, perhaps city churches who are, and this is happening, adopting uh, churches that are in smaller country towns. Uh, Now, uh, smaller churches in country towns, perhaps less resources, uh, less of the skills that are needed for some of the infrastructure work that needs to be done with uh, church uh, buildings and infrastructure. The idea of a a larger, wealthier city church uh, getting involved by bringing MMM into the situation to be able to facilitate some of the needs in a smaller church, you've actually got this uh, a wonderful network of things that can happen here. Is that one way that you find that people do work? Yeah, look, and it works in, in – there's an adjunct to that. It works denominationally as well. We see um, churches like the United Church of the Anglican Church that uh, a local uh, diocese will be helping some of the smaller um, 
uh, more in, can I say the word impoverished uh, yep, yep. Um, churches um, that don't have the resources to do it. They're they're applying some of their uh, synod type resources into that to fix it. We see a lot of that in the Northern Territory with uh, with work up there with the Anglican and the Uniting Churches out into Manangreta and places like that, Nullumboy, who we've already mentioned, but but all around the Northern Territory. And and that's that I see is is a beautiful scriptural model. That you know, God pours resources in. It's not necessarily for me; it's for someone else. How do I apply this? What do I do? Who has a need? And when you, when it's a larger city church that is adopting a smaller church, well, then that's a brother sister or it's a mother daughter relationship, and it works. It really works because that someone. It's not just we're handing over money. We have a relationship with you, and we want to help. Well, Terence, inspiring talking to you, and uh, just like so many mission organisations, it's a little bit like uh, it's divinely appointed, and uh, somehow or other we wonder about the provision for how this whole thing uh, functions. I imagine that you're always on the lookout for making some new friends, uh, people who will be uh, people who will be supporters, not only uh, prayer supporters, but of course we've got the volunteer uh, elements here. We've got people who've got professional skills that you want to have a part of everything that Mobile Mission Maintenance does. Uh, no doubt there is a need for people to uh, bring some financial resources to the table as well. And, of course, we've seen some very generous people around here of recent times who've been responding to needs. No doubt there'll be needs for mobile mission maintenance. How do you, uh, you know, when you're connecting with new friends, uh, I imagine, uh, what's uh, what are your thoughts for people listening now saying, I could support mobile mission maintenance. Maybe I'm not going to be the guy swinging the hammer or the paintbrush, uh, but I could help out in some other ways. Yeah. Look, we do have people that uh, that can't swing a hammer and can't paint. Um, I, I hate to paint. Well, I can paint, but I hate it. Yeah. Um, th- there are people out there whose gifting is giving. Uh, that That's an unusual thing to say, but they're gifted by God to be able to give. Um, and if that's the case and somebody's out there looking with a spare $10,000, then they can give me a call personally. <laughs> um, but they can always do it through our website and connect up with our website. And, and look, I'd love to uh, start a conversation with them about uh, what it means to be gracious with money. And grace is something that you give to that you will never see the return to you, but it'll have an, a flow on him. You're paying it forward to someone else and someone else. We can apply that. We we desperately need funds. You know, we had a pretty lean last year. I'm not going to mince words. We had a pretty lean year last year, um, and it's not always nice to stand up to my board and my my members and say, "Listen, we lost some money last year. We need to we need to tighten our budget, but we need to grow our income too." We all know that the infrastructure that is in place does run down, does deteriorate, and it is going to be needing uh, that TLC that comes from the care and attention. Uh, Sometimes that uh, finance is raised within the local church, and we're very mindful that not every local church has the capacity to raise the finances that are required in order to be able to make sure that that infrastructure is functional, is effective, does look good, and does give a message to the community about the sort of ministry work that goes on under that roof or within the confines of that ministry organisation. So I would encourage listeners, uh, be a part of what Mobile Mission Maintenance is doing. 
And it's not just about uh, dollars here as I uh, just draw things to a close, but, of course, you want to hear from volunteers. Mm-hmm. You want to hear from people who've got uh, some trade skills, some handyman skills. In fact, whatever skills you have, uh, for that person who is now thinking, this is just for me. I need to be in touch with Terence Baxter at Mobile Mission Maintenance. Let me be the person who does the little connecting here because uh, you might be able to support in whatever gift you can bring to the table because there are churches throughout the nation and throughout all of those mission uh, areas offshore in the South Pacific Islands and even, as we've heard, up uh, into Hong Kong, China and uh, even to those who are a part of sending off those prefab buildings to places like Africa. Lots of opportunity. Mobile Mission Maintenance. Let me give you the website one more time. mmm.org.au. It's easy to remember. mmm.org.au. And Terence Baxter, looking for a few new friends. They can connect through the website if they want to inquire about, uh, anybody wants to inquire about uh, volunteering. They can do it through the website, through connecting up with us. And we'll respond as quick as we can to uh, and put them in contact with the local people. Well, Terence, uh, always a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.